0: More,
1: no, 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 you want a s'more. I haven't had anything yet, so how can I have some more of nothing? Shut up! You're killing me, Smalls.
0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Killing Me Smalls podcast. I'm your host, Mike Small, and today's a special day for me as we have Spike Eskin as a guest. Spike is somebody that I've admired from afar for quite a while because mostly because of the work that he's done with the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast. To me, it's the gold standard of all sports podcasts, along with the Bill Simmons Ringer Network. But, you know, being a Sixers fan, I think this one's a whole lot better and more interesting and definitely very influential as well. We'll talk to Spike about how they've gotten that started, as well as a lot of the work that he does as the program director for what I think might be perhaps the most influential sports talk radio station in America, 610 WIP. So without further ado, we'll bring Spike on. The Killing Me Smalls podcast is sponsored by the Matt Black Kia Group. Matt Black Kia is right here in Tom's River or in Egg Harbor or in Glassboro. These guys are really, really good. But the guy you need to talk to over there is my dude, Kobe Fryer. Get Fryered up. Kobe and I have been friends for over 38 years, and they have got the new Telluride and all kinds of great new models. You've got to check out the 250-plus pre-owned cars and trucks that they have. The great part about Kobe is even if you're not looking for a Kia, he can help you by being your car guy. That's your guy, and he can help you with other cars and tell you if you're getting a good deal or whatever you need to do. Any credit situation can be handled with ease. Give Kobe a call at 609-706-2101 or get in touch with me through the podcast and I will put you right in touch with Kobe. Hey everybody, once again, welcome to the Killing Me Smalls podcast. I'm Mike Small and we have a very special guest today. As I told you in the intro, Spike Eskin runs I think is the prob- probably the most influential sports radio station in the country in 94 WIP. But I got turned on to Spike for a couple of reasons. One, when I was a sportscaster back in the early 90s, it was in 1993, and I was covering the Super Bowl between the Cowboys and the Bills. And I was in the Georgia Dome. And who am I sitting next to but Howard Eskin, which was pretty cool. And he didn't call me a nitwit or a dope. So I thought that was a pretty good day for me. And um, I really got turned on to Spike because I heard right after I think it was right after Michael Carter Williams got traded. I just became obsessed with the rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast, which I think is the most innovative, fun, cool thing. And it's 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 like must hear radio for me, because as soon as it's downloaded, I have f- have uh during the day job i drive quite a bit so i i get so fired up to listen to those podcasts i enjoy the shtick and everything around it spike welcome to the podcast
1: thank you uh pleasure to be on it thank you for the the kind introduction
0: for sure and uh you know one of the things that that i just have to know how did this whole thing start what was the brainchild in terms of getting the rights to ricky sanchez podcast going
1: Uh, So, when we started that, I had a different job at WIP. I ran the website, and I did like one show a week. And I was really just starting. I'd been in music radio for a while, but I was just starting in sports radio, and I didn't think the one show a week was enough to, I guess get to where i wanted to be so i did a bunch of podcasts actually i did a an eagles podcast called times yours um which if you go way back in the rights ricky sanchez feed because it was on the same feed my wip shows are there and uh, i think the i think times yours is there i did a uh, a gambling a sports gambling podcast called the degenerate um which is funny because i've never placed a sports bet in my life <laughs> um and, uh, I, I like, I would do, I just did a lot of podcasts and basketball has always been my favorite sport. Um, so, um, right when Sam got hired, you know, I was friendly with, um, some of the Liberty Ballers guys, Derek at the time was Liberty Ballers. So it was Rich Hoff or yeah, Rich was, and I met Mike, my, my partner, Mike through. He, he mentioned in one, he wrote for Liberty Ballers. And in one of his game recaps, he mentioned my father in a negative way. And I remember sending him a note and thinking it was funny. And I had him on my radio show a couple of times. And we decided to do, you know, even before I had Mike on, I did an episode with Rich. It wasn't called Right Tricky Sanchez yet, but I did. I think I did an episode with Rich. I did an episode with Derek. And I did one with Mike. And it just sort of it seemed like it flowed. You know, I, I don't know. I, it, it's hard to think back. I don't, my memory's a little blurry, but it seemed like it worked. And we started doing it every week and we came up with the name, I think a week or two later. And, uh, you know, there weren't any podcasts were in a different place then. Uh, people knew what they were, but they, there certainly wasn't the saturation that there is now. And, we didn't really have any competition, and there's not a lot of people who decide to start a podcast about the team when they are about to be horrible. But we did, and I think the fact that we were um, we were doing it at that time, you know, with consistency was a lot of the reason that we were able to build an audience. Like, obviously, I think the podcast is good, but I think we had a, a real. Um, I think we had a real advantage in that nobody else... Would. Oh, no. TJ Spike,
0: McConnell's... we have... I was just going to say, we have breaking uh, nah. news. TJ McConnell is a pacer. Uh,
1: that's kind of a bummer.
0: Well, they're out of yeah, money. Yeah. Sixers are out of money, and they, they yeah. do need a guard, but it's uh, it kind of exciting sad. to break news on this podcast. Yeah,
1: that's a bummer.
0: Uh, All your guys are gone now, except for Embiid.
1: Yeah.
0: Covington.
1: That's, yeah. That's kind of sad. Uh well... I'll have to reach out to TJ and wish him the best. That's sad. Okay. All right. Anyway, so that's that's what happened. That's a bummer.
0: Did you ever expect a cult following? I mean, by the way, I just want you to know, I'm sitting in my office right now, getting ready to go on vacation, and I'm wearing my processor dye t-shirt, which is super comfortable, by the way. The cotton's fantastic.
1: It's a a great shirt. It is a great shirt. I think that is our our best selling shirt we ever had. Yeah, um, it's great. Yeah, we sold a lot of those. Yeah, um, so that that's when we started oh, cult following. Yeah, I I, I think I think um, we've always done it to um, we've we've always continued to lean into the things that wouldn't make sense unless you listen. You know, we've sort of actively made people understand the podcast by making it. Uh, more difficult like that I, I think you create like a sense of community when you do that and people feel like they're part of something when they get the joke and other people don't so I, I don't think it was conscious but that's just sort of you know Howard Stern was always that way yeah. I, I think if you had tuned into Howard Stern in the middle of the show and you had never listened before you wouldn't really get any of the jokes or know any of the characters but um mm-hmm. h- hang on one second yeah
0: Two years, seven million dollars hey, is what hang, they pay on TJ. One yeah. yeah, no problem. I know that day yeah. job of yours is uh keeps you pretty yeah. busy, which I want to talk about later. But two years, seven million dollars yeah. is what TJ just got. Uh, good for him. Yeah, it deserves it. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. you know, it's I, I'll tell you what a funny story. I tried to explain to my wife when I got the shirt. She's like, What is this? I'm like, Let me explain to you about the process and yeah. the rights to Ricky Sanchez and what you know, lick face. And, she looked at me like I had four heads, which she does anyway, most of the time, but the yeah, fact,
1: well, you, did, it, she just, <laughs> you know, you earned it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, you know, when you look at it, it, I find it hilarious too, when, you know, announcers talk about, wow, there was a bunch of Sixers fans flying to Minnesota chanting for Covington. What's that all about? It's almost, it's almost like they're afraid to acknowledge what it was it, or, or they probably, or they don't know about it. I think they probably do. Um, what's been some of the weirder moments for you and throughout this process, the process of Ricky.
1: Weirder. Well, I mean, we had people get married at the lottery party. Um, that's pretty weird. Yeah. Um, we, We had people get engaged to the lottery party. Also, um, weird, also very strange. Um, uh, I mean, at our live show last September, we had two people sitting on the stage on dog beds, watching it. Um, Very strange, you know, Uh, I think, you know, the acceptance that we've had or the recognition that we've had, even though the podcast is so weird, you know, Elton Brand showed up at the event last year. And I think, you know, Covington and Joelle and uh, TJ all are very aware of us. Um, So I think that's strange in and of itself, that something as, as sort of off center as us can gain acceptance from uh, a larger scale was was always really weird to us uh we gave brett brown a jigsaw about like i think like eating boogers or throw up (laughs) or something and that was that was um that was strange and i i think i i think just overall the the popularity of it has weirded me out quite a bit um so those that's a, a short list but it's uh it's definitely been a weird six years
0: well, since you know this is only the fifth episode of the Killing Me Smalls podcast, I have to ask your permission. Am I allowed to have bannings, or is that just uh, you, reserved doing, for uh, you? Yeah,
1: you, other people have started doing that. That's a, a thing now. That uh, yeah, you can ban whoever you want. Okay, uh, I, you can steal it. You can steal the bed. I'd be honored.
0: All right, I just want to make sure. So there are no bannings yet. Although okay. Jimmy Butler might be banned. What do you think yeah, about all yeah, that? There you go. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so uh, you were the first You were one of the first people that were really like Don't believe the hype in this guy um, Even though he had a great and, and you were on it before the playoffs And then all of a sudden he turned it on for the playoffs And then you still weren't crazy About the idea of keeping him And I actually love the trade I love the way that it all worked out I think that Josh Richardson's going to be really, really good I love the defensive presence of Al Horford And the way it's going to work out Do you think they're better today than they were last week?
1: Uh yes I do I I I always I mean there have been three things that I've said over the last couple of years that have gotten me like that have put I think a lot of our fans in general at odds with um like me I like I've always just sort of been straightforward and honest about what I think um and the you know being negative about the Colangelo decisions being pretty negative about the 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 prospects of, of like faults figuring it out and the Butler thing have been really polarizing. And I think made people pretty mad. Um, it, it's always come from a place of um, being like wanting the best for everybody who has been through all of this. And I, I just don't think Butler was the best for all of us. So I think they are better because I think they have put the, the future in the hands of the two like are they better on the court i don't know i i don't know how this is going to work they they don't have any they have one guy in the starting lineup who can really shoot who can really shoot um everybody but ben is capable of shooting but only one guy that can really shoot um I, you know i don't know how they're going to be on the court but I, I i assume they'll be pretty good i think I, i'm not going to know until i see it but i i think they have they have, provi- they have they've given Ben and Joel no more excuses and I think they took I thought Jimmy Butler was going to stunt Ben's development and I'm not a huge Simmons guy either which is odd you know that people are like well Simmons can't even shoot what do you want to get rid of Butler for because I know I'm not winning a championship if Jimmy Butler's controlling the ball all the time I'm sure I might be pretty good I might get to the conference finals even but I'm not going to win a championship Ben, I'm not sure if I'm not. So I think by taking Butler away and making Ben not only the, the primary ball handler in the starting lineup, but the only real ball handler in the starting lineup, it's giving him every opportunity to succeed without any excuses. And I think by getting a Horford, it does the same thing for Joel, right? Like, Joel doesn't have to play 38 minutes a game in the first two months of the season. Joel can take a game off. Like there, He is not the only guy in the starting lineup. A, who can defend anyone and he's not the only guy who can be a good center on the court with ben simmons so i think they have they have really shown simmons and mb they believe in them and they've given them um they've shown them that and they've they've hedged against their deficiencies in a way and um so for that i am more confident in them moving forward and i also think that like having you know, hardworking, I know this sounds sort of cheesy, but having like hardworking guys who are good locker room guys um, is is a positive. And I think Horford is that. And no, I don't think that's
0: cheesy at all. As a matter yeah. of fact, I think the the two most underrated parts of it for me is the fact that Horford is going to show Embiid how to be a professional. And and, yeah. and it's going he's going to do it by example. But the other underrated part of it is, if you're ever going to get anything out of Jonah Bolden, I think you're gonna. He's gonna learn from Horford because I think Bolton has all the talent in the world, but he doesn't seem to have it between his ears sometimes. And I think Horford might be the guy that could get it out of him.
1: Um, I, I got to be honest with you, man. I think General Bolton sucks. I, I, <laughs> I don't. Uh, I don't think. He's well, that's because ever- Mike's
0: not on the call. Mike would not handle that well. Yeah.
1: I. I, uh, I just. I think he stinks. I. I I've I've never seen someone. I mean, he's 24 already. I mean, he's, I mean,
0: he's dumb on the court to me,
1: but he's so athletic and
0: and at dude, times looks great.
1: Everybody, dude, everybody's athletic yeah. in the NBA. I I, I just think if, if Jonah Golden was on a different team, we would look at him and laugh. He stinks. He he can't. I I like I, he makes such bad decisions. And there's one thing, you know. S- Brett has, has done a good job of, at playing young guys. There's one thing that he does not deal well with, and that is big men who play stupid. Yeah. And he wouldn't deal with it with Sean Holmes. He tried. He gave it. But, like, when they don't adjust and they don't get better, he just – he doesn't trust them, and they're so important. Um, and I – like – Bolden, just with the fouling and that just... He was... Was it the Toronto series or the Brooklyn series? He had three minutes on the court that were like three of the worst minutes I've ever seen.
0: I remember big that. Play. Yeah. yeah.
1: I just... I think he stinks. But... Um, well, we could...
0: They could use his money right now and get a shooter, because that seems yeah. to be something that, that's missing, if there's any left.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree.
0: So, I'm gonna... Can I hit you with a jigsaw?
1: Ah, yeah, sure.
0: All right. So... You have to tell your father on air that he was right about the process and the Sixers. Or you have to go on Bill Simmons' podcast and say Brad Stevens is a genius and Cuss Cries is a great hashtag. Which one uh, do you do?
1: I would take the Bill Simmons one. It would help grow the Ricky. <laughs> uh, you know, I, 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 something tells me uh, the, the thing with my dad is not gaining me anything, but at least we'd get some listeners out of the appearance on the Ricky
0: that's fantastic you know you are you aren't you are not a baby boomer as uh as jack likes to give you a hard time in the art of the take which is also a really fun podcast um but you're a young guy um and you are running one of the most influential radio stations in the country at least for sports anyway from a guy that was doing music how did you rise to prominence so quickly
1: um you know it wasn't that quick. I think, uh I, you know so I worked in music radio for 15 years and I I programmed music radio and I like I ran radio stations. So I think what happened was when when WYSP went off the air and I I didn't have a job for like the year or year and a half previous to that. You know I went to Syracuse for this. I just never did right. it. I never wanted to do it. Um for the year year and a half for that I I like I had a Sixes blog. It's up on the internet somewhere um, where I I went to every game and I like, I wrote about every game and I, I had been podcasting for a while um, when I was with YSP. So when we, when it went off the air, um, that's sort of what I focused on. And, um, you know, so I spent like six months, I had my own website, I had the podcast and I had people writing for me and all that sort of stuff. I never made any money, but uh, it was good practice. And then when I started with CBS, uh, and WIP again, and I ran the website, and I ran the social media accounts, and I did the WIP shows, and I did the pregame show uh, for CBS three. Like w- one, what it did was it gave me two years um, to work at WIP and sort of see how it worked behind the scenes, and also give me a chance to bond with the hosts uh, in a way that, like, I didn't show up out of nowhere and was in charge. And I think the combination of having managed a radio station, but also been on the air at WIP and done it and lived it, um, gave me a special sort of like skill set to be able to do it. So, um, so I became, I think I became program director like five years ago. And then three years ago was when they, um, when the, the guy above me uh, went away and I was like in charge specifically. And, um, I don't know. I I think uh, I think I have a good combination of on air experience and management experience that um, allows me to work with the hosts in a way that I I don't know if there are a ton of other people who have that amount of experience. Also, growing up with WIP in my life. Sure. So much. I just like it is sort of second nature to me what the radio station sounds like and what it should sound like now um and I have, I have i have a boss that put a lot of faith in me you know we made a lot of changes when i took over um changes all at one time that typically uh is sort of like death for a radio station and i he gave me um you know he gave me the uh, the, the say and the ability to do it so um you know i i, I feel like i am specifically qualified to run this radio station and i don't know that i would be able to do as good a job elsewhere but i i think that the thing that i've learned through the years i also think getting older has helped me too like I'm, i'll be 43 in august and 10 years ago i probably would have been uh too argumentative and too to have too big an ego to do a job like this and is, is that everybody i work with here is more popular than i am you know, and everybody has been doing it either longer than I have, aside from our younger people here, either longer than I have or as long and is more successful at it. So I can't go into it with like an attitude of I'm going to tell you what to do and you're going to do it that way. It just doesn't work. So I think being able to put like ego away, understand that my job is to make them more famous and more popular and really just sort of, they're all really good at their job. What I always say is that when they're off, they're never off by more than ten or fifteen percent. It can sound like more, but it's really usually never more than that. So my job is to just sort of like um push them in the direction and lead them in a direction where I I can help get them, you know, uh finish off that last ten or fifteen percent to make what they're doing great. Um and I I have a I take a lot of satisfaction in it and I, I really enjoy working with everyone. So um, I think probably a lot of right place, right time. Um, and, uh, and I enjoy it, which I think helps. And you've
0: taken some amazing risks. I mean, obviously Angelo Cataldi's not a risk. The guy's an institution in Philadelphia, but you know, throwing uh Joe DeCamera camera from the other station on right at midday and then pulling John Marks over. And, um, I know that you and Joe Julio uh, have a nice thing going on the art of the take, but he's done a nice job jumping in there and you're right. It's been a lot of changes, but, it all it all has worked. Is there uh, is there anything that, you know, people can look forward to down the road? I'm sure you've got a five year vision for for maybe anything exciting and, and with the changing industry and podcasting, et cetera.
1: Um, I actually don't have a five year vision. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I- I'm
0: in business. Everybody has a five year vision. I thought
1: they're all wrong.
0: They're I thought all wrong. that's a take. That is a take. Yeah, five year I- visions are wrong
1: are wrong. I, I don't think you're able to. I think about how different everything we consume is now compared to five years ago. Um television is completely different. The entire For sure. economic and programming ecosystem. Um podcasts, the difference between podcasts in 2019 versus 2015 or 2014 is enormous. Think about the difference in basketball, how they play. Um, it's so different. And I think my goal is to look at what is in front of us. Um, like I, I think it's more, let's not restrict ourselves in the future and let's not make any decisions that might, might prevent us from growing. But I think the problem with a five-year plan is that you put, you you see a finish line. And then if you are singularly focused on that finish line, you may not see that the right path is a left turn somewhere. And you're so busy trying to trying to get to what you think is the end and what you think your goal is that you ignore changes that happen. And I think every, every industry that has failed from the music industry to the movie industry to television now to newspapers has failed to see things changing around them. So I think what we want to do is look at the things that we need to do to succeed right now in radio, but also look at the things that that um, that could disrupt us and look at the things that we can do as brand extensions that help us. Like this podcast do not have huge audiences, but they have enough audience to where if there are some people that just don't enjoy sports radio, they can consume WIP in a different way. Even though it's not the radio station and it's not our core product, our brand means something to them because we're giving them Go Birds or High Hopes or The Art of the Take or whatever it is. So I think the key is to just um, – and even look at social media platforms or what was big five years ago or will be big in five years. You know, When I left Chicago, MySpace was a primary – was the
0: primary social wow. media
1: platform yeah. in 2007 and uh, 2008 then 2013 it was pretty much erased off the face of the earth um, so that's that's scary and dangerous so i i think i'd just do it eyes open and um and and adjust as we need to adjust but i don't i don't really have a 5 year plan and i think a lot of our 10 year 15 20 year plan for wip was put into um, put into place three years ago when we hired everybody we hired. You know, they are all relatively new to an everyday prime talk show host. Um, John Ritchie is, Joe Camera is, John Marks is, Ike Reese isn't, but he's relatively new in the industry. He's only been doing it for ten years. So the only thing over the next five or ten years that, that I'll have to adjust for is if Angelo decides he's not gonna do it anymore, that then there's an adjustment I'll have to make. Um, but the adjustments as far as how people listen the radio station and, um, and like how we're executing it. I think we just have to keep our ears open and our eyes open and adjust as, as time as we, as we see fit.
0: That's a great answer. And thank you for articulating that. I'll tell you, the reason I got into podcasts is because I drive a lot and (laughs) you know, you turn on WIP or, or whatever, and you know, you start hearing phone calls about who should be the backup left guard. And I'm bored out of my mind that, you know, when that, when that kind of conversation is going and I want to hear about the Sixers or I want to hear about you know, the Phillies or whatever at that time. And you can pull it on demand and you're right. It's, it's WIP in a different way. And I think it's been, it's been a really cool outlet. And then sometimes you listen live and it's fantastic. So, um, it's been great. And, uh, you know, what else has been great is having you on the show. I know that I told you, I wouldn't keep you too long, but I probably could have done this for two hours and not been bored. But, uh, I know that you're running a, a pretty big radio station right now and I can't thank you enough for the time. and. Hope that we get a chance to to have a beer at a Sixers game. And maybe I could have you back on the pod.
1: Yeah, sure. Just let me know. And I'm I'm at a lot of games. So uh, you, you have my contact info. So I would love to meet you some point.
0: Yeah, you got it, Spike. And I will tweet this out to you later. And thank you for being on the Killing Me Smalls podcast. Thanks for having me. So much fun having Spike Eskin on the program. He's somebody I've admired for a while. And I really do enjoy the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast. I'd really encourage you to go back and listen to previous episodes and, you know, during the entire quote-unquote process, it was just so compelling and fun and it's amazing how many things uh, have happened since this whole thing started. Please tell your friends about the Killing Me Smalls podcast and please don't be afraid to download it on Spotify or Apple or wherever you get your podcasts and give it a review. Thank you so much for listening and everybody have an awesome week.